Welcome to Kids Considered, where two pediatricians discuss children's health topics of interest to parents in a podcast with new subjects considered every episode. I'm Dr. Lena Vanderlist. And I'm Dr. Dean Blumberg. And we're both pediatricians at UC Davis Children's Hospital in Sacramento, California. So we often hear about the opioid epidemic in the U.S. on the news, and people usually associate this with adults. Right. I mean, recently, I feel like I've been seeing a ton about fentanyl, which is an extremely lethal opioid that can kill even in small doses. But it's really important to know that this also really may affect children. And specifically, if women are of childbearing age and they have what we call opioid use disorder. So let's define that first. Opioid use disorder is a problematic pattern of opioid use that leads to clinically significant impairment or distress. Right. And when this happens during pregnancy, then it can lead to mothers overdosing, potentially dying, having other complications like a stillbirth or premature delivery, and it can be associated with a whole other host of complications. And then when the baby is born, they may have symptoms of opioid withdrawal, and this is called neonatal opioid withdrawal syndrome. Right. So we know that opioids are used to treat pain. We talked about this quite a bit in our post-surgical pain podcast episode that we did. And as a reminder, some common opioids are oxycodone, which is in OxyContin, Percodan, Percocet, and others. There's fentanyl, which you mentioned, which is 50 to 100 times more potent than heroin. Hydrocodone or dihydrocodone, which is... <laughs> I'm happy is... You, you're taking these names. <laughs> the trade names are easier to pronounce. So those are found in Vicodin and Norco. And then there's codeine, the old standby, and that's sometimes used in cough syrups. And it's often combined with acetaminophen or Tylenol. And then there's morphine, which we mentioned also. Right. And these opioids can lead to addiction by causing a rush or a high that kind of exacerbates or mirrors but amplifies our body's natural endorphins and are highly addictive. And then when you stop using the opioids, then there may be withdrawal symptoms. Right. And to help us learn more about the effects of opioid use specifically during pregnancy and its effects on the baby, we're very excited to have a special guest today, Dr. Kara Kewen Reardon. Dr. Kara is a neonatologist working in the neonatal intensive care unit here at UC Davis Children's Hospital in Sacramento. She has a special interest in taking care of opioid-exposed newborns and women with opioid use disorder um, during pregnancy to make sure that they have, you know, safe outcomes and, um, you know, the best outcomes for them and their baby. So thank you so much, Dr. Kara. Thank you for having me. I'm really excited to be here today. So, Dr. Kara, can you start by giving us some background on the opioid epidemic in the U.S.? Yes. Uh, unfortunately, I mean, as you've probably heard from the headlines and seen on the news, there's just been a dramatic increase in the number of opioid prescriptions. Um, although, interestingly enough, in 2020, there was actually a slight decrease in opioid prescriptions, although, unfortunately, um, the highest number of um, overdose deaths as well. Um, which I think speaks to a lot of the mental health issues we're facing as a as a country. But from about 1999 to 2015, um, there was a tripling of the number of opioid prescriptions written and a quadrupling in the number of opioid overdose deaths as well. And unfortunately, like we mentioned, 2020 was the, the worst year yet. 
So I read a book. I actually didn't read it. I heard the audiobook driving back and forth to LA, The Empire of Pain by Patrick Radden Keefe. And I highly recommend it. He really tells a very compelling story of the pharmaceutical industry role in the epidemic. I'm putting it on my Audible list now, although I will say I probably will be furious listening to it. But um, I think it's really important to to hear and understand what the pharmaceutical industry is really, um, the impact that they've made. So let's talk more about babies of the affected mothers who have opioid use disorder. So how commonly are you seeing this, um, kids born addicted to opioids? Yeah, so I think, um, you know, it's it's certainly much more common than it used to be. It's increased from one out of every thousand babies or so um, in 2000 to almost nine babies per thousand in 2016, which just to put it into perspective is a baby born of about every 15 minutes um, with NAS or NAUS, um, which is neonatal opioid withdrawal syndrome. Um, So a really dramatic increase. Yeah, that's a huge increase. What are the signs and symptoms in the baby? You know, babies, the the nurses will be able to tell you the best. These babies are the ones that are really um, quite irritable, have high-pitched cries, difficulty sleeping. Um, as, a, as a medical student, I remember seeing these babies in the NICU in St. Louis, and the nurses would be very protective over them and say, wait, you, you can't see this baby now because <laughs> anyone disturbing this these babies can really cause them to have um, significant distress. Um, they can have poor feeding, you know, although they can have excessive sucking, so they look like they really want to eat, but they have difficulty coordinating that. Some stomach upset, vomiting, or loose stools. And then, um, you know, for parents with opioid use disorder or a history of that, a lot of these symptoms that they see in their baby are very familiar to them uh, because they've experienced them, them themselves during withdrawal episodes. Is the first time that we're going to see a baby or like have a suspicion that a baby may have this opioid withdrawal syndrome when they're experiencing those symptoms? Or is this something that we screen most moms for when they come in to deliver their baby? It's a great question. So all moms should be screened during their pregnancy. um, And if they did not seek prenatal care, they should be screened at the time of delivery. So there's many different screening tools that are used, uh, but most of it's just questioning people, just asking about their history and their use patterns and um, just kind of their overall feelings about drug use or family history, personal history, those sorts of things. And what factors make this more or less severe? You talked about um, screening during pregnancy, but you know, parents, the, the mom may not be using the same amount during all of pregnancy. So does the length of exposure matter or the type of opioid or the timing during pregnancy? Yeah, so opioids travel across the placenta really very readily. It's increasing as the baby gets older or closer to their due date. So, you know, babies that are you know, seven or eight months along are getting less than the babies that are nine months or so along, basically right at their due date. Um, it seems to be that males are more severely affected with neonatal opioid withdrawal syndrome than females are. And um, we don't quite understand the reasons for that, but it seems to be that that's the case. Uh, they tend to have worse withdrawal symptoms. And then synthetic opioids like fentanyl um, cross the placenta much more readily than semi-synthetic opioids, which are like oxycodone, for example. And there's you know still quite a bit that we just don't understand or know about um, neonatal opioid withdrawal syndrome. 
and uh, those who go on to develop it. It doesn't seem to be related to a particular dose of medication per se, but certainly the longer duration of exposure and the closer we get to term, the more likely they are to have symptoms. And so let's say a a baby is born. We know based on maternal history that she did have some opioid use during pregnancy, and we start to see some of those symptoms that you described, um, like very inconsolable, sucking a lot, jittery. How do we approach treating these babies? Do we um, just give kind of like supportive care? Do we give medications? What do we do for them? Yeah, it's a great question. The first line of treatment for NAS or NAUS is supportive care. So, you know, which means just non-pharmacologic care. We most simply stated just means we try and limit stimulation. So keep these babies as much as possible in a very quiet, sort of calm environment um, to limit their irritation. And we encourage families to hold them skin to skin, feeding them as often as they are interested in. And I've heard people of term this hugs, not drugs, which I think, you know, is, is really <laughs> great because we really just want to treat them as much as possible like a normal newborn. We recognize that they've had this exposure. They may have, you know, this physiologic kind of withdrawal syndrome or symptoms. But the first line treatment is, of course, just trying to do supportive care. And then in cases where that doesn't work, you know, we're unable to control their symptoms. They're having difficulty doing normal baby things, right? They, they're not eating well. They're not sleeping well. We would say sleeping well is in at least an hour. We're not expecting them to go two or three hours, but at least an hour between feeds. And they're not calming down or consoling within a reasonable amount of time, like 10 minutes or so. That means with help, um, not settling themselves down. We don't expect that of any other baby, so we wouldn't expect that of them. Um, so in those circumstances, we would try medications for those infants. And and here at UC Davis, we use uh, morphine, but some centers use methadone. And is that dosed like every hour, every three hours? Is it through an IV or is it an oral medication usually? We pretty much always try and do oral medications. Uh, the times it become more complicated are if babies have other illnesses. Uh, you know, Maybe they have a breathing tube in because they had difficulty breathing at birth or something of that nature. Then we may have to do IV. But typically for any baby that's um, you know otherwise able to be with mom, um, and doesn't need any additional support, we would try and do oral medications, oral morphine, and that's dosed about every three hours. Although, you know, there are many centers doing just PRN doses, meaning when you need it. So not to exceed every three hours, but say there's a time when mom, for instance, has to go pick up her medication-assisted treatment or mat. And there have been certainly babies that have been in the normal newborn nursery. Mom has been discharged because it was a vaginal birth. And so the hospital can't provide her her mat any longer since she's not a patient. Uh, but the baby's still a patient because we're watching them for their their withdrawal symptoms for about a couple of days. You know, three to five days is the typical. So in those instances, it may be beneficial for that baby to get just a one-time, you know, as-needed dose of morphine if mom isn't there to provide that, you know, kind of most supportive care. Right, because they would be getting some through the breast milk in that case, usually yes. when she's there. Yes. So does that mean that it is safe for moms to safely breastfeed these babies? Yeah. So um, moms on mat or medication-assisted treatment should absolutely feel empowered to breastfeed their babies. And breastfeeding has been shown to be really beneficial. It increases maternal confidence, bonding with the baby, um, and it helps prevent withdrawal symptoms in the baby as well. 
Breastfeeding is not a safe option. However, if moms are taking, you know, other drugs like methamphetamines um, or heroin. So in those instances, obviously, we would recommend formula over breastfeeding. So the mom's getting treatment and she's breastfeeding and the baby's still in the hospital and still symptomatic. How long do you really expect the symptoms to last and the child to remain in the hospital? What's the the typical course? Yeah, so um, most babies actually are able to just stay with mom and stay in the normal newborn nursery, do supportive care. And so with this not new per se, but this newer approach um, as compared to what we were doing 20 years ago. So this newer approach is called the Eat Sleep Console approach. And um, it's really a a great approach that we've been able to use in the newborn nursery here at UC Davis and in our NICU. We generally watch the babies for about three to five days. So if they don't have significant symptoms necessitating morphine or other medications, then we really would be able to just send them home at that point. If they end up having to come to the NICU, they may stay a little bit longer, typically just a couple days longer. Uh, Dr. Grossman and the group from Yale that first described the Eat Sleep Console approach um, had published that their length of stay, their average length of stay went from 22 days to six days. So a really dramatic decrease for those patients. That is dramatic. Wow. And a real cost saving to the hospitals. Yes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Are there any long-term consequences to the baby or once they recover, are they through this and then you don't have to worry about this anymore? It's really kind of hard to disentangle a lot of things. So a lot of babies that were exposed to opioids in utero may have other social or economic stressors that may make it difficult to sort of say long-term if there are outcomes related just to the opioid versus other things. However, by and large, there may be some attention or emotional regulation issues and some vision issues, but largely it's difficult to say exactly what's related to opioids versus their whole social environment as well. So I feel like when I was a resident, this was referred to as neonatal abstinence syndrome or NAS. And Mm -hmm. I've never heard of the NOWS acronym that we're using now, the neonatal opioid withdrawal syndrome. So why the change or what's the difference? Yeah, it's a, it's a good question. I'm still, you know, I sort of, as you may have heard, I've been sort of saying NAS slash nows, you know, or NAS nows, because I can't quite make the full transition. Um, I think this just speaks to my age more than anything. But um, neonatal abstinence syndrome is a term that really encompasses withdrawal um, symptoms in babies from exposure to a variety of things in the womb. So it may be opioids, antidepressants, you know, nicotine in cigarettes um, or even caffeine, not in the quantities most of us drink it. But, um, you know, I had a story from when I was in medical school of one of my attendings mentioning that a baby that he took care of had withdrawal symptoms and they could not figure out exactly what the mom was using. And later they came to find out that she drank uh, literally a whole carafe of coffee a day. So, um, yeah, it turns out that baby was experiencing withdrawal symptoms from that. So that would be neonatal abstinence syndrome. As most of us have experienced headaches when we don't have caffeine or something of that nature, there's some symptoms that are related to um, an exposure that you had, but it it couldn't encompass pretty much anything. Neonatal opioid withdrawal syndrome, or NOWS, as we say, is a term that's specifically related to opioid exposure and withdrawal. So it's just trying to make it a little bit more clear. Do you have any um, opinions or recommendations about what can be done to really prevent this, the sort of resources that mothers need so that they don't develop opioid use disorder? 
Yeah, a great question. I'd like to highlight a couple of things with this, you know, things that everyone can do. Um, any one of us, when, you know, we have medications that we're given, we should be properly disposing of them. So participate in drug take back events. You know, don't flush medications down the toilet. Properly dispose of them in bins. You can look up medication disposal sites near you on the DEA website. And then secondly, if you're prescribed opioids for post-procedure pain um, or pain following an injury, for instance, use the smallest amount that's absolutely needed for the shortest amount of time and just know how easily physical dependence can develop. So I think that's something anyone can do. And then for pregnant women with opioid use disorder, you know, evidence shows that medication-assisted treatment, or MAT, provides the safest outcomes for both moms and babies uh, compared to withdrawal or abstinence from those substances. There's better attendance at medical appointments, less risk of relapse, and, you know, lower risk of complications like stillbirth or premature birth. So taking MAT is the best thing a pregnant or parenting woman or, or woman can do for herself or her child. Absolutely. And, you know, I think this is so important because, you know, when when you say you're a pediatrician, a lot of people say like, oh, well, you have to deal with the kid and the families. One thing I love about that is that, like, if someone is ever going to change in their life or make a big personal change, they're going to do it for their kid usually. Right. And this is a perfect example of that. And so I have heard you talk and advocate for these moms to be able to go on to work on their addiction and take care of their baby and take their baby home. And so what do you tell, you know, trainees or families to really drive that point home and and help moms make sure that they they can take care of their baby and sustain their health? Yeah, I I really want to just start first by saying, you know, in the last couple of years I think we've all come to recognize implicit bias and what role that may play in how we interact with others around us. And I think that's a really significant thing with NAS or NOWS. You know, we have a lot of traps that it's really easy to fall into, right? It's easy to fall into the trap of thinking that, you know, a woman with opioid use disorder doesn't care deeply for her baby. But, you know, I can tell you from working with these moms that that's, you know, not true. They tremendously love their babies and they care for them and they want what's best for them. You know, a great toolkit that I like to use and, and kind of reference for people um, has wonderful quotes from moms with opioid use disorder. And if it's OK, I'd like to share a couple of them with you. So um, these moms you know, say things that they want providers to know. So mothers want to succeed. Don't assume we're not trying or that we chose the challenges we face. Show more compassion, less condescension. Be educated. There's lots of things that play into addiction. Not everyone takes the same path to recovery. Listen to each woman um, and where she's at in her journey and what will work for her. And don't judge. Instead, care. Wow. That's fantastic. Thank you for sharing that. Absolutely. So thank you so much, Dr. Kara. I know I learned a lot about the new nows um, Mm -hmm. as opposed to NAS and how we can best care for these babies and families. So let's summarize some of the main points talking about neonatal opioid withdrawal syndrome. There's really been a dramatic increase in opioid use in this country, and this is, really affects the mothers and may affect the babies as well. 
right? We know that opioids cross the placenta while you're pregnant. And so babies can be born and experience withdrawal from these medications. So you might see that they're more irritable, they're yawning, they're shivering or shaking, they're sucking frantically. Um, those would all be some symptoms of a newborn experiencing opioid withdrawal. And the treatment for these babies is primarily supportive care, making sure that they're hugged, they're given skin-to-skin contact, and that they're supported and make sure that they're eating enough during this time. But for some children, they do require some medication um, also to get them through this period. It's important that all of us as healthcare providers, family members, friends, um, work to not stigmatize moms with opioid use disorder and instead guide them towards getting medication-assisted treatment and working with them to make sure that they can take care of their baby and provide a, a healthy environment for them when they go home. Right. We see the consequences of this with the neonatal exposure um, and the withdrawal syndrome, but really this is a public health issue. Um, and so on a public health level, we do need more resources to prevent this and to prevent mothers from becoming um, addicted to, to opioids, which is just a huge problem um, in, in the U.S. Absolutely. Again, we want to thank Dr. Kara for joining us today, although Dr. Dean and I take full responsibility for any errors or misinformation. That wraps up this episode of Kids Considered. You can find more information on our website, kidsconsidered.ucdavis.edu. Follow us on Twitter at Kids Considered. And Instagram at Kids Considered. If you have feedback on this show or topics you would like us to discuss in the future, we would love to hear from you. Please call us. Our number is 916-915-3388. Or email us at kidsconsidered at gmail.com. Please rate us on iTunes or wherever you subscribe to your podcasts. Thank you for listening, and we hope you will join us for our next podcast. Kids Considered is sponsored by UC Davis Children's Hospital. Kids Considered.